0: Hi there literacy friends, today we have two exciting guests. So we have Karen Vates, who's been visiting Baltimore today, along with Janice Lane, who we've had on the podcast before. So I'll let them introduce themselves quickly.
1: Hi, I'm Karen, and I am a curriculum evangelist from New York that has been following the work here in Baltimore City Schools with so much enthusiasm from Honestly, since before the days that you selected a curriculum, I I was watching your selection process and knowing that with the team you had, you're probably going to pick something fabulous and do something awesome. So it's so fun to finally be here seeing the work for myself today.
0: And we love following Karen on Twitter. She's amazing and one of our super fans.
2: (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's Janice Lane. I am the Executive Director of Teaching and Learning here in City Schools and was very fortunate to spend the day with Karen in classrooms, um, visiting the work of our teachers and our students and our school leaders.
0: So like they both said, they have spent the day here in Baltimore, which is super exciting. So we want to hear a little bit about, you know as Karen has been following our story here in Baltimore, how she saw that playing out and then... I'm sure so she has lots of questions for Janice along the way, so we'll let her get started with what she saw.
1: I saw so many absolutely wonderful, um, so many wonderful lessons. I saw a few phenomenal teachers. I saw the brilliance of the kids of Baltimore. Um, but I think I'm going to do what, what I do best, what my superpower is, which is save a lot of those stories for the Twitterverse, because I came with my phone. Um, and I know you have this hashtag be more ed <laughs> chat and yes. i don 't actually when I hear someone like Kair tell his story about why he went from being hesitant about this new curriculum thing to being a curriculum super fan, and he says that on video i 'm not going to steal his words i 'm just going to tweet them later <laughs> um, so i 'll probably i, I can 't wait to be on a train back to New York and do my storytelling. But the story that we didn't get to talk about today when we were in classrooms because Janice and I were too busy chatting with kids and uh, admiring teachers is a story that I'm going to call Baltimore's little modesty problem. Um, (laughs) uh, I've had a lot of fun noticing that you guys had these phenomenal outcomes in your one with wit and Wisdom. And when I say phenomenal outcomes, for context, I think most everybody listening to this podcast probably knows that curriculum implementation is really hard it's harder the more you choose a truly rich and robust curriculum that puts everybody on a learning curve. And you all did by choosing a high quality curriculum. They all represent, um, Scott Hartle at Yale Education likes to say, they represent you know um, excellent teaching, but not easy teaching. And so we know that you guys have been doing really hard work the last year. Mm-hmm. And we usually set our expectations by saying, year one of curriculum implementation is probably, it's our learning year. We're probably not going to see outcomes. That's the Word on the street about curriculum implementation. (laughs) (laughs) I had a feeling you said that to yourself a year ago. And I was sitting there saying to myself, but this is a team of ninjas, and I I bet I had this hunch based on the things I was seeing in your district and others that we were gonna see some good stories this time of year. Turns out that's happening. But you guys have barely been talking about it. I tweeted a little bit about it. I know there's been a tiny bit of announcement to the media, but the story I want to hear from Janice and anyone else that will tell it um, is is about this remarkable year one gain that you guys have seen, so...
2: I love it. We, we have been a little quiet, I assume, on that front. Um, I think one of the reasons we've been quiet is because we know how much more work we have to do. But I want to say to you that I could not be more proud, um, of the work that has happened here in the district for year one. I think the decision making around the curriculum, one of the things that was a great bonus in that work was the early engagement. So I feel like that set a nice common understanding for what we were doing and what we were getting ready to do. Um, and I know all of the conversations we had across year one, people kept bracing us to say, you know, typically year one, you get a drop and deep down low in that inside stomach voice that you have. I kept thinking, I think we might not have that drop. I was praying for that, not drop, uh, just to, you know, really keep the momentum of the work going. And you're right, Karen, we did see gains across all grade levels, um, in ELA. Um, and in some grades we saw sizable gains, um, our scores our students our our early scores were struggling uh, so we have definitely room to grow but the idea here is that the momentum is moving and what we want to do is keep the momentum going we want to make sure that teachers know the work they're putting in is proving outcomes we want students to feel that success um, I think what we saw today documents that success and growth um, you know we saw excellent teachers but saw amazing kids really Taking ownership. We had a conversation. We um, were fortunate to sit through a sixth grade Socratic seminar. Um, That started off with the teacher saying, I'm the man here with just the checklist. You guys are doing the work. (laughs) And the students took on that work and started you know, um, respectfully pushing each other, inviting other people into the conversation, really thinking about what that looks like throughout the work. And so um, that was amazing. But what was the most amazing part was after the Socratic seminar was over, it was lunchtime. um, Karen and I were packing up in the back and two little sixth grade guys decided To stay and tell us everything that's great about their work, um, about their growth in what they need to work on, um, and just asked if they could miss lunch. Could they run downstairs, grab lunch, and come back up and finish talking to us? And really, what it was about, um, one little gentleman said to us that he's a slow writer, he's a slow reader, it takes him time to process, and that. He really gets it, though, and he understands what he's trying to communicate, so it takes him some time. And his friend played off of that and said, "'I'm not such a great reader.'" Um, I'm am actually surprised sometimes that other people get things done so quickly, and he said, "But what I've been doing is I go home and I've been practicing fluency with my sister, um, and I've been reading and I've been practicing looking up evidence so that when I have to get something ready and it was like you could skip lunch, you could come to dinner, you can come over for the weekend. Um, just this idea of student awareness of what they're doing and what they see as valuable within the learning." I think is really just internalized within the curriculum, um, that students have that opportunity. I think the district as a whole from our CEO's stance and leadership has really set that this is a learning place. Um, Baltimore has embraced the curriculum, but also understood clearly, Karen, what you said. It's hard work. Um, Year one was really around internalizing and purposeful planning, but um, teachers know that's not enough, right? They, They take that and they make that the craft of what happens to change student outcomes to see what their lessons look like. And again, today we saw that example. We saw teachers who really not only were prepared with the curriculum, but also prepared with student need so that when they were able to pull a small group and provide additional support who needed it, they were able to elevate student examples. Um, They were allowed to build the opportunities that I think one of the most beautiful designs in wit and Wisdom are the instructional routines. So they took those instructional routines that students were super comfortable with and allowed them the opportunity to share across one another. So I think a really coherent plan of engagement I think a, a, a well-designed professional learning system and structure within that is critical for every single stakeholder in the group. I would love to say, and I often say, I wish we could take a year off of school and just do a year of learning, um, You know, send the kids off to a wonderful excursion of learning and really let our teachers, our school leaders, um, our principal supervisors, everyone get that depth of learning. But I think what has happened is the excitement around the curriculum, and I'll be Honest with you, I think the kids have done the work for us Um, to see what our students are producing, especially knowing before there was doubt or mindset work that had to happen. And, you know, not again, as Karen said, to steal Kier's thunder, but this idea of. Our black and brown children and Latinx children can not only meet the meet the um, outcomes that we're setting in front of them; they can actually exceed those outcomes. And to be able to elevate the work and say, "Guess what? The students over at X School are doing this," and there are kids. And then to have teachers motivate one another um, within this, and then finally, I would say, um, you know, we're having teachers take on the work. Teachers are the ones with the Be More Ed Chat coming together to really think about what does this look like and sound like. How do we improve the work that we're doing? How do we ground our work in research? And being able to take those opportunities and really spread them and elevate them and use them as examples. Um, So I guess we're kind of quietly celebrating. And I, again, would just say that you know while those celebrations are there, we just like to parallel them with the continued learning that has to happen so that we move that in deeper, um, more coherent ways for every student to achieve those outcomes
1: yeah and I think that's actually one of the most encouraging things that I see in this whole curriculum renaissance, if you will, is um, many of you or maybe you don't know, I'll, I'll to give you thirty seconds of my story, before I spent the last year in change doing purely advocacy work around math and literacy, but you know with with some focus on trying to help people understand that there's this whole new category of significantly better curricula that are actually all green on ed reports. And three years ago, if you skimmed ed reports, you saw a lot of red and yellow and Mm -hmm. not a lot of green. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, all inside the space of about two and a half years, that dramatically changed. So now there's authentic, excellent choice in both math and ELA at all grade bands, which is what we call the curriculum renaissance. Um, But I felt like I had this front row seat to the curriculum renaissance because I was one of the founding members at Open Up Resources. So... I was there before any of our curricula were were done when they were just in pilots, and I got to see those very first stories, like the stories you're seeing, when they were hot off the presses or hot into the into the Twitterverse, um, with educators talking about this remarkable student work and this you know these these differentiated outcomes and the first stories of of positive outcomes and in, in larger scale ways. So. Um, I I was telling Janice over lunch, um, you know, I actually became a curriculum super fan the old-fashioned way, which is, like, teachers made me one by seeing the tweets and the student work that they'd be sharing and all those things. Um, But now, because I've been watching this space for a while, and I, I also had my fingers crossed, even though I wasn't here, that you guys would have these great stories, the most exciting thing for me about this, while I'm passionately excited that you're doing this great work. If you were the only beacon of greatness across the US this would be a less interesting story and it would be Baltimore's killing it but how easy would this be for someone across the country to be learning from you and, and for us to be helping kids everywhere that's right. start to see these gains mm-hmm. and, and that's kind of the, the end goal so the part of this that I've been excited about is that um, you guys are a, a beacon of light in this work but you aren't a unicorn. And I've been starting to see that sharing come out of a series of other districts. Um, you, you aren't the only ones maybe hiding your light a little bit under a bushel, because <laughs> I think these are undertold told <laughs> stories. Um, we have seen Detroit public schools also in their first year of implementation of both the EL education curriculum uh, and also Eureka Math. They had an announcement that I'm just quickly pulling up and skimming uh, the announcement that they had math and ELA outcomes that were up across the board. They exceeded state gains um, in their state, and they too—it was year one. It was also lots of work there, but really encouraging to me to think that, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, Over in Detroit, we saw Guilford County schools down in North Carolina announce that they too— had in every subject, in every grade that was an assessed grade, they saw math, ELA, and science outcome gains um, all in areas where they had adopted new curriculum.
2: That's great.
1: Wonderful. Um, we saw uh, Sullivan County Public Schools in Tennessee. Um, after their uh, adoption of the core knowledge curriculum, they in, I believe you're one in some grades and uh, year two in some places due to piloting, they also announced um, really significant gains in their English language arts outcomes. And we saw um, we saw Jackson Madison in Tennessee announce, uh, in their second year of implementation, they announced their second consecutive year of positive ELA stories, but they also announced some really interesting math gains um, using... They are using uh, core knowledge in grades K-2. They're using EL education in grades 3-5. Um, they are using Greek math. So the best part of this story to me is, is that there's a consistent set of outcomes in districts that bring in these curricula and really proactively support teachers in use of the materials. These stories cross states. They cross district types. They cross demographics. They cross uh, curricula. We are not looking at a one curriculum story. I think I I might have. I think we might be talking about four different curricula across okay. these stories. Um, Pawtucket schools, using American Reading, the art core curriculum, um, they haven't announced anything yet. But I, I've um, heard some nice rumblings out of Pawtucket. So across four high quality ELA curricula, we're seeing these wonderful stories. So to me, that keeps me getting out of bed and keeps me ruthlessly over tweeting about curriculum um, <laughs> as the country's curriculum dork. Um, but I guess, to me, I, I'm watching these stories from afar, and, and Janice gets to watch them every day. I'd be really interested in what you see as as the why here. I mean, why do you see curriculum and, and what comes with these high-quality curriculum helping to so quickly have an impact when we thought that wouldn't be our story. We thought we'd have to wait for these games. Yeah,
0: can I add to that real quick before you answer, Janice? Because sure. I know Janice will have an, a long answer. She <laughs> always does. <laughs> um, I must like I yeah. to your point. Thinking of teachers who, or not even just teachers, we've heard it from various people who say that curriculum might take away the creativity of teachers, right? And that why would we do that? That's what makes a good teacher, and and they're professionals, and they should have the right to do that. So, I'm, those two things I think sometimes are in tension. So, what is it? I was going to ask you this too. So, maybe both of you, what is it about the curriculum that is really like that makes us see these gains? Like, what is it? What's happening?
2: I'll make it a short answer, Melissa. So
0: I think that, you
2: know, there's so many um, different ways that people have described this, but I think it was my friend Robin. Um, who said that the curriculum is really the foundation and that you build the house upon the foundation. So the more I've been thinking about that, you know, every house is designed differently. So you might put your kitchen in the front, I might put my kitchen in the back, but we both have a kitchen and it's an essential part of the house, right? So I think that when we're thinking about this curriculum for so long in Baltimore, we had what teachers described and what I would agree with was a piecemealed curriculum. We did some really smart work around curriculum but we weren't curriculum specialists. We weren't, you know, designers of curriculum. So there were definite holes in coherency and especially around the content knowledge building. And what we noticed was when we brought the curriculum in, A, I think there was excitement around it. I cannot emphasize enough. I think it was. One of the best projects i've been involved in since i've been here ten years in city schools was around the adoption of the curriculum. Um, we had the push from uh, from our c e o from our school board to really make sure that engagement was deep. Um, I remember you know about to go to the board three or four different times to say, "This is finally it. We are coming with a decision, and the board would say. Great work, but go back out and let's hear from 25 more people, right? So, um, and at the time, I was thinking this can't be another ask, but it was really the right ask. We did a lot of creative things in Baltimore, Facebook chats, um, asked vendors to make digital platforms for people to see, but it really created this readiness that I think really allowed the field to ready themselves. We were at the same time doing some around why, why research matters within the curriculum, why content knowledge matters, why foundational skills are not a debate to have. They are an absolute necessity in the work. Um, And so really created a readiness. And then when teachers got the curriculum, there was excitement around that work. So just the idea of having something that was coherent in design uh, was something that was exciting in the beginning. And the second thing was professional development by the experts, bringing in folks who had taught it, who understood the design, who knew what it meant, who knew what kind of outcomes were coming, um, was really creating um, an excitement around the work. And then finally, I think when teachers trusted the process, when they trusted themselves and put um, the time and effort into the plan, again, I think our kids were the best selling offer. You know, they were the ones who came in and really to hear, no matter where you go, you can dwell away for those lunchtime conversations where a students grabbing you and telling you about the module they just finished and let me tell you about the ocean. And they, you know, you think I tell a long story, right? They have so much knowledge that they just, they could spend hours with you. Um, Today, we heard it um, from the heart module. Then we had a deep conversation about Bud, Not Buddy and identity within that. Uh, So I think just the opportunity of students really latching on and having the knowledge, the vocabulary, the excitement, the passion... Uh, to do the work has really has really propelled where we 're going. I think that in year two now um, that teachers are no longer um, surprised or shocked by the format of the curriculum they 're getting more comfortable. Uh, they worked their bottoms off last year, planning. Um, digging in, spending time together, spending time in PLNs, you know, working together, really thinking about what is the best way this can happen, and really internalize the curriculum. But I think what's happening now is they're making it their own. And by making it your own, does not mean again that you decide your kitchen, your house doesn't have a kitchen, right? It it may be that the kitchen is blue and your kitchen is green, um, but the key components are there. And I think that the idea of what teachers are doing now is they are more comfortable they are more willing to open their practice and share with one another. They are more open to um, really seeing what each other have. And again, that stance as a learner. So in the classroom we talked to the teacher today, You know, he's been sharing on Twitter his results and he teaches sixth grade and he said, the fifth grade teacher who had those students last year came over and said, those are the same kids, but they didn't write like that last year. What are you doing? And so just the opportunity to pop into a classroom together um, Um, and share the practice to really understand that. And I think those common conversations of principals allowing teachers the time and space to learn the curriculum, the principals to learn the curriculum with them is really just granted us an opportunity. But I think the second thing of that is it's been a focused effort, right? This wasn't like, here comes new curriculum. You know, we often joke, and I think in a naive way, we're like, boy, that was so much work to get the curriculum in. That would be the easy part. That was like not even deciding you want to buy a new house, right? Like the, the the steps that come after that are really what matters the most of what once the curriculum's there, how do you attend to mind, you know, mind work for teachers? How do you help teachers and Um, the community really understand that things that have been broken before can be fixed and repaired and that we need to trust one another. We need to give each other the grace in that learning, but that at the same time, we've got to push hard and we've got to hold rigorous expectations and standards for all students. And when we do, we see every one of our students achieving to that. And so I think that is the work that has really helped us. I think having effective leadership from the top that is supported all the way to the teacher level But I think the second, or I've said second three times, so this might be the third or fourth, right? I lose count. Um, But this idea of continuous improvement has been a stance in the district this year as well. So really thinking about, are we just implementing or are we learning from our implementation? And where we're seeing success, how do we elevate that success across the district? And where we're seeing struggles, how do we as a district support that work, whether it's through professional development, coaching, pairing teachers up, et cetera, Um, And then, you know, Karen has just been amazing to us in this work in the sense of we went walking today and they were all like, Karen's coming, Karen's coming. I was like, well, I'll just wait in the office until it's over, right? Uh, But but this idea of what Karen has created on social media to not only, um, as she calls herself a curriculum nerd, right, but she's made research cool and she's made research in a bite size where a teacher who has been working, you know... tirelessly in making sense of the curriculum can now read an article and say, "Huh, that makes sense." And it didn't take me 7 hours. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to annotate 32 pages. <laughs> you know, it's bite-sized, it makes sense, but it's relevant. And I think that's the other piece of making this work relevant so that, you know, teachers, we talk about kids and kids being, you know, full of inquiry, full of questions, and you give them a little and they want more, teachers are the same. If you give them the right, the right um, diet, you give them the right research, and you give them a little bite, they want another bite. And if we can continue to feed that and continue to feed this learning community that we've created, I think we're going to continue to see gains in our work.
1: Um, and I, I love that. And your answer is so... <laughs> tangible and 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 ripe